you need people who love and honor you, right? They see you and they, they want your success just as much as you want your success, right? And so I think it has to go both ways, the people you love and the people who love you. And if they love you and you're high energy and you're optimistic, you are solution oriented and all those cultural values that you have, they are going to make sure that they are doing that because they don't want to let you down. The EOS life is doing what you love with people you love, making a difference, being compensated appropriately, with time for other passions. The EOS life. Hi, I'm Mark O'Donnell, visionary at EOS Worldwide, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the EOS Life podcast, where we explore the why and the how of entrepreneurs actively living their ideal life. Now, not later, and not in retirement. The world of entrepreneurial freedom and the impact on those around you depends on it. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marcus Allen. In April of 2013, Marcus became the first African-American CEO in Big Brothers, Big Sisters in the Independence region and their celebrated 100-year history. He has significantly grown the agency as measured by the number of children served, revenue generation from donors and programs, and overall visibility. As a result, Marcus now manages the largest one-to-one mentoring program in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and the third largest Big Brothers, Big Sisters agency in the nation. Marcus is a visionary leader, spending much of his time and effort defining how to have an even greater impact on the over 200,000 children facing adversity in the greater Philadelphia region. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Great to have you. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So if you could tell me just a brief history about yourself, tell me what it is that you do at Big Brothers and Sisters, what's your role, what are you responsible for? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because I've been an entrepreneur as far back as I can remember, back to the age of 10 or 11, um, when I started uh, cutting hair to earn money. So I, I would cut the guys on the basketball team hair, and then I started cutting my mom's friends' hair, my, my grandfather and, and his friends. And so when I came into the nonprofit space, back in 2009, I was a COO for a national for-profit and wanted to, to give back because I grew up in abject poverty, uh, episodes of homelessness and, and certain things. And so I wanted to feel good about my work. I wanted to get paid for doing good, right? And I ended up going to this one organization where we were building houses and putting formerly homeless families into single parent families into housing and, 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 and supplying them with training for parenting and financial literacy and all sorts of things. And then I did that for five years, loved the work. It reminded me of growing up because my mom was single parent and homeless at one point, oh, chronic homelessness, I should say. And then this opportunity came to, to lead Big Brothers Big Sisters. And Big Brothers Big Sisters is an organization that's been doing and honing research around one-to-one mentoring and what it means to put a caring, compassionate adult in the life of a child with evidence-based uh, practices. And so it is the largest one-to-one evidence-based mentoring program in the world. And it, it, it appealed to me because I grew up and the way I grew up, uh, there was uh, a lot of mentors in a village around me, but there was this one mentor who was a cop who would say to me, I was trying to play sports. And when I was born, a doctor told my mom I would never play sports because I had some 
the degenerative bone situation going on. And he came to me one day and would say, Marcus, you don't have to be the strongest, the fastest, the most gifted, the most talented, but you can come out here and outwork people. And that stuck with me. And as I grew up, I wanted to make sure other kids had the opportunity to have a mentor like I had that could plant a seed in their minds and in their hearts that they can go out and try to fulfill. And we know right now in this country, one in three kids will not have a mentor by the age of 19. And we know what happens to those kids who don't have positive mentors in their life. So mm -hmm. Big Brothers Big Sisters is doing that work all throughout the country, but I'm responsible for the greater Philadelphia area as well as Southern New Jersey. Got it, got it. Well, first, I just want to thank you for the the work that you do. I think it's so important. I grew up with my grandfather was homeless and we would go and find him out on the street on the holidays and uh, he'd be frozen to some mm -hmm. grate on the ground somewhere. And so just thank you for the the work you do. I think it's it's making a, an, a difference in, in the world. So you should know that. So as you know, the, the focus of this this podcast, this show is to help other people really discover their ideal lives. And oftentimes that means that at some point in your past, you were not necessarily living your ideal life. And I have a suspicion that you can outwork people stuck with you for a pretty long time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could tell me about the moment in time that you realized that you needed a, a change in the way that you were operating, the way that you were conducting yourself. I got so many. <laughs> um, so, um, it might not be just one moment. It might be just a, a constant reminder that someone was mentoring you on. <laughs> I think it is a constant, like as, as situations, as environments change, it requires more from you. And so there's always going to be some required change, right? And as I think about the EOS life, and I just finished reading the book over the weekend, and I would imagine that I'm going to be in a constant pursuit of the EOS life to the point in the book that Gino made in the book, nobody has a perfect life. And therefore, we are always striving for perfection. It's progress over perfection. And so um, I try to look at life that way. If I had to think of uh, I, you know, I, I can, I can point to when I, when I first started using EOS, I was running this organization and when I got hired, the board said that they wanted a CEO, an entrepreneur CEO who could help them do three things, grow the number of kids served, grow the revenue, top line revenue, and also grow the visibility of the organization. So that's perfect for a visionary, right? Yeah. perfect. And so, and, and that was who I was. And so I came in and I began to you know, instantly we started growing, right? In the first three years, we started growing. But what I didn't pay attention to was change management. What I didn't pay attention to as much was culture. And so it's like uh, one of my board members said, it's like putting a Porsche engine into a Volkswagen. And so I took off. And at some point we, 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 were, we were so heavy with growth that I started to see it. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know how to get my hands around this right? And nonprofit work is already so much harder in my mind than for-profit work because for-profit work, for the most part, you're looking at one bottom line. In the nonprofit space, you're looking at a double bottom line. You have to deliver both. You know, you want to be solvent and you want to make sure you have a healthy balance sheet. But at the same time, you also have to deliver on your mission, right? Impact, outcomes. How are your families that you're serving? Are, are they better than they were before you, your organization got involved with them? So 
a great friend of mine who's a CEO for a real estate company told me about a book, EOS Traction. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go get it. And then that very same week, I was meeting with a, a, a successful tech guy over in New Jersey. And I was going over to try to convince him to allow me to honor him because he used to be a little in the program 30, 40 years ago. And now, and he grew up, you know, had a lot of challenges and all that stuff growing up. And now he's this huge, successful CEO of this tech firm. And so I'm going over there to try to convince him to allow me to honor him. Of course, I'm going to ask him for a donation at some point, right? Of course. I go there and, and he's giving me a tour of his office. I mean, the office is amazing. And the culture he set up there was awesome. And like the, the employees' tables weren't made out of like wood or wasn't like the traditional corporate tables. It was made out of Legos, right? And it had all these games in there and it had pool tables and, and video games and all. And I'm walking around and I'm seeing the, the, the employees, they just look like they're having fun, right? And uh, so we get to his office and his table is made out of Legos, but he tells me my kids made this table for me. Right. And we're talking. I said, Chris, you just got to tell his name is Chris Miles, uh, Miles Technology. I said, Chris, you got to tell me, man, how did you build this freaking awesome company like this? Right. And he reaches behind him and he slaps the EOS book on the desk. Like, <laughs> traction, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I, you're not going to believe this. Uh, my best friend just told me I got to get the book. So obviously I bought the book. Obviously I read it. And that was three years ago. And it totally changed how I look at how I do any business. Because um, I, I have other businesses that I have as well as this nonprofit business that I run. And it has changed how I look at who I am and what my value is to an organization versus being torn between here are the things I'm good at, here are the things I'm not good at, and I need to get better at these things. And Traction just said, no, 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 no. Do the stuff that you're good at, right? Don't waste time trying to be better at stuff that don't fit you, nor do you like to do it, right? <laughs> like, and there's so many other people who can do it way better than you can, right? I changed my entire philosophy on how I saw nonprofits running. And I've been like an advocate to other nonprofit leaders. Hey, you got to get this book. I know it speaks mostly to corporations, but it can really help you if you're in the growth stage of your nonprofit and, and I tell them, and I'll tell you, Mark, uh, you know, one of the biggest differences I see between nonprofit organizations and for-profits are just tax status, right? Mm -hmm. we, we don't have to pay taxes, right? But at the end of the day, we all got to make payroll. We all got to make sure that we are growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. So there's a lot of fundamentals that are very similar between nonprofits and for-profits. So uh, I'm curious, what are the other businesses that you, that you run, that you own? So I, I, I have an investment. I invest, I invest in real estate. Initially, mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to own my own real estate. And, and my friend of mine you know, advised me against it. He said, you don't, you don't have time. You don't want to do that. So <laughs> I invested. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I invest in uh, real estate. I just started a home health care business with my fiance. And I also have a, a speaking business where it's called Marcus Moments, where I go out and speak to corporations and nonprofits. I like speaking to corporations because they have bigger budgets. Uh, <laughs> but I just love speaking. And, and, I, and I used to think that, you know, that was something that I, I kind of not shied away from, but never saw myself being able to do that and run a nonprofit and do the other stuff I do. So 
Um, so I'm, I'm juggling uh, those other interests, but all of those interests I'm passionate about. So they don't even feel like jobs. And I want to dig into that a, a little bit. So you running big brothers and big sisters, you're serial entrepreneur, you meet this great entrepreneur with a great culture, you start implementing EOS. And for our listener, you, you said something about doing what you love and the five points of the EOS life and the purpose of this podcast is to help people along the journey, along the path. Because as you said earlier, it's, it's not a, a destination. We are always seeking perfection, but we, we all know that we're never going to get there. And so it's all about the journey to do what you love with people you love to make a huge difference, a big impact, to be compensated appropriately, and to have time to pursue other passions. Where along your journey, because it is absolutely a, a journey, where do you find yourself getting off track or just not quite getting the results that, that you want along that path to live your EOS life, your ideal life? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, my fiance uh, noticed this. It's just happened this week, right? And so, you know, I, I got a great and talented leadership team. And so uh, at Big Brothers Big Sisters and EOS helped me to build that team. Yet this week we were, you know, we do our weekly L10 meeting, same time, same agenda, end on time, all of that, right? And, you know, we were starting the meeting and, and my fiance just happened to be like, we just bought this new house. So we, we got this office space where we share offices and she was just listening. I didn't know she was listening. And we were going through uh, business best and personal best. And she just said it to me this morning. It was yesterday because we meet on Mondays. And she said, um, Marcus, I noticed that, you know, you, you have always have a lot of energy, but your team doesn't have energy. And I, I feel like, like you're not in the best situation to be successful because your team isn't matching your energy. And it made me start to think about the, the second principle with people you love, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to be around people who suck your energy, right? People who doesn't match your energy. Like that makes it very difficult for leaders and visionaries like ourselves. And so I never really looked at my team from the energy perspective. I always looked at them from the skill, commitment, purposeful, intentional. They have all that stuff. But from time to time, I see in them, they don't come with that vigor and that passion and that, you know, and it makes me question, do you still love what you do? So to answer your question, the one that I think I get, I, I may get crossed up with sometimes is with people you love, because I have such a tendency to want to help people and to grow people and develop people. And I know there's a limit to that, right? You do only so much of it and then they have to take it and, and run with it themselves. So I would say two and four, the people you love and, and getting compensated appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, the other three, I think I pretty have pretty much down. I, I'm doing what I love. I love big brothers and sisters. I love the work we do. I love the impact that we're having. So we have a huge impact and I have time for my other passions. I just finished a cross country bike ride which I went on for seven weeks. It took me 50 days to complete riding from San Francisco to Atlantic City. So the yeah. other three, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's just those two, I think, that I'm struggling with. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. And I worked with 
over 90 leadership teams as a, a certified EOS implementer and ran uh, quite a few companies uh, in my entrepreneurial journey. And having a passion for helping other people, it's really that desire to make an impact, to really help other, uh, other people. You kind of get caught up in, and I, I shared the story about my grandfather, and I think it's a good parallel. You can't help people more you can't help them and you can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves. I mean, I can't, I helped my, my parents and we would go and try to help my, my grandfather often, but he didn't want to actually be helped. He'd take it to, to a certain point, but then you could go right back into alcoholism and all the other things that caused his homelessness in the first place. And it became frustrating, right? Because you want to help, you want to make a difference, you want to make an impact but you can't help people more than they, they want to be helped or you can't want it for them more than they do. They have to, they have to want it. They have to be passionate about it. We talk a lot about our core focus at EOS and it's made up of two hemispheres, your purpose, your cause, your passion, your niche, that purpose, cause, passion. That's got a, that's where all energy comes from. Your ability to execute on your vision, if you're not lit up by it and all the people around you are not lit up by it, you're not going to achieve your 10-year your target. You're not going to achieve your core target. You're not going to get to where you want to go. So I find that interesting and, and I never really thought about it in terms of with people you love. Yes, they share your core values, but they also have to share your vision and be on board with you. I totally agree. I think that's, that's probably the most core one, right? With the people, you know, when we say with the people you love, I think what's implicit in that is also, and with the people who love you. Yeah. Right. Because as a leader, and I heard uh, Bishop T.D. Jake say this, and I thought it was an interesting uh, biblical principle. And he was talking about Jesus Christ and the 12 disciples. And he said, well, you know, Jesus Christ had 12 disciples, but he was really only close with three of them, John, James, and Peter, right? And he said, you will be lucky in life if you can find three people who really, really love you and they are all about your success. And so I think how that translate in translates in business is that you need people who love and honor you, right? They see you and they, they want your success just as much as you want your success. Right. And so I think it has to go both ways, the people you love and the people who love you. And if they love you and you're high energy and you're optimistic, you are solution oriented and all those cultural values that you have, they are going to make sure that they are doing that because they don't want to let you down. Right. They don't want you to be disappointed in them. And so I think that's something that I have to pay more attention to. That's a, just a really interesting thought. It's a very deep kind of take on doing things with people who, who you love and who love you back. And I think the example of Jesus is an interesting one too, because if you think about, you know, whatever someone's religious beliefs may be, you can't deny the, the impact, you know, talk about making a difference, being surrounded by people you love and then making a difference for millennia. Right, you got these twelve people and three real core relationships that then impacted pretty much all of society for the last two thousand plus years or whatever it is. 
Right. Uh, you, you know, whether you believe or don't doesn't actually matter. It's you can't deny the impact. Right. And, and, and I look at those, those five things and I say of the five, the only one that I, I, I've never read about Jesus is did he ever have time for his other passions? Right. <laughs> so it's a pretty so short I, life. So, you know, <laughs> you, you know, I went to Israel three years ago on a trek just to learn more. Uh, and to, I wanted to immerse myself in Jewish faith and I love all faiths and, and I, I'm, I'm curious about all faiths. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Christian, but I'm also curious about all faith and, and cultures. And so as I took that 10 day immersion and met with uh, leaders on the Palestinian side or leaders on the, on the uh, Israeli Jewish side, it was just an interesting journey, but I learned a lot about the historical facts of Jesus, right? That a lot of times we bring his name up, people quickly go to the religious part of it and forget that he, there, there was the historical piece that cannot be refuted. Right. Mm-hmm. And to your point, he was great at, you know, uh, people loving him and it, it, it survived thousands of years to millennia and he had a huge impact. And, you know, then you have to go to the religious part and talk about the getting compensated appropriately because he rose to be with uh, our father and Lord and God. So, I just think that there's a lot from, and he was very wise, right? When you read his, his teachings, very wise. I mean, it just, just things, and it would just be real quick and very clever. And so I, I think about that even in my business walk. And even as I'm looking at the EOS life, it's like, how can I stay present and alert so that I see those things like my fiance saw, oh, they're not matching your energy. There's not a lot of energy. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. and the most energy during your L10 should be when you're talking about business and personal best, right? Like if you can't be energized at that part, how can you be energized at any other part of the meeting, right? But when I'm in it, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And it took someone on the outside to see it. And so to answer your question, uh, Mark, like, yeah, that's what I'm working on, like trying to be alert and present for the people who need me, right? And to also make sure I am doing the things that are getting me where I want to go. And so one of the things I do every day now is I, you know, meditate, you know, the whole, I looked at, you know, I, I, I read the part about the 10 disciplines, which I think the 10 disciplines are even more important than <laughs> the, the entire EOS life book, right? <laughs> that, that short part at the back, yeah. that's where all the nuggets are. Pure gold, right? And, and he gave it to you for free. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this whole be still, know thyself, take time off. Like all of those things that invest in you, because the better you know yourself, the better you can know the people around you. It's hard to know other folks when you don't even know yourself, right? right. And so now that I, I know me really, really well, and I'm investing in me every day, like I meditate I finished a book called uh, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, which is Yeah, called. it's a good one. Yeah, so I'm doing the savers, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And so I'm 77 days in on that right now. And it has just been amazing for me as I adopt these other principles from EOS. I also read Miracle Morning myself and I made it about 300 days before I fell off the, fell off the wagon. It, but, and now as with living the EOS life or really any discipline, you go through these ebbs and flows. And as Gino wrote, you know, the 10 disciplines for managing your human energy, your energy, 
that's true for everyone, right? So you you come in and out and it's a journey. It's where your focus lies and until you can make it habitual and make it automatic. And, you know, 21 days does not a habit make for, for Mark O'Donnell. I needed, it was 300 and it wasn't even good enough. <laughs> like uh, there's always something that, that throws you off or throws me off anyway. Um, <laughs> but that 20 minutes of just, meditation or however long you make it is just really important and to get you grounded into focusing on what's important in your life. And if you can lead by example, people start to to follow that, right? People start to get excited about the same things you're excited about. Now, do you, I'm curious, do, are, do you plan on giving your leadership team the EOS Life book and see where they stand, where they score on all five points of the EOS Life? I just finished it. And first thing I thought about is make sure I give it to my integrator first. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then get her thoughts on it and then, you know, go from there because I think she's the main one that needs it really. Cause she's, she's that integrator who, who's in everything and wants to be in everything. And I'm just like, you can't do it all. Right. right. I think I'm going to start with her first and then her and I have a conversation around it and then see, does it make sense to give it to the rest of the team? Right now I got the rest of the team reading, John Maxwell, uh, the leader within you 2.0, which is an amazing leadership book and so many great leadership principles. So I just love reading. And, and this is, this happened later in life. I, I, in, in school and college, I, I made all A's and it just came naturally, but I'd never read. Right. And now at I'll be 50 next year, I've decided that I, I need to really do, I'm, I'm um, on this path, I'm doing four books a month, uh, trying to do 48 within 12 months. And so I, I'm just so excited about reading now and, and learning. Uh, so it's like this second life that has come about in the last year or two. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I think it'll, it'll probably go to the rest of the team at some point. Yeah, yeah. Our, our hope here at EOS Worldwide is that it starts with the visionary leader, the, the CEO of an organization, you get yourself eight plus scoring on all uh, five points of the EOS life. And then the integrator and the leadership team. And then ultimately everyone in your business has the ability, the freedom to be living their ideal lives. I mean, imagine a world in which that's true. Right. My personal goal is to help a million people live their ideal life. And it's part of the reason why, I'm doing the the podcast itself and, you know, just really excited about where the EOS life will go and the 10 disciplines, quite frankly, because it is really practical stuff to your point. You can, you can make it an impact on your, your psyche, your mindset, your ability to handle change, your ability to handle adversity or anything like that. You become very resilient with those, with those 10 disciplines. And for people who are listening, uh, Gino and I go through in a previous episode uh, on what those 10 disciplines are with with some detail. So, Marcus, when when you think about living your EOS life, and I'm assuming you went through the scoring of one through 10 on each of the five points, how would you describe your ideal life? My ideal life, not what I'm living now, but my ideal life. Yeah. Just what your future, what your ideal life looks like. I started to talk like doing what I love would look like me having 
two or three significant speaking engagements a month, right? Each year contributing to writing a book or writing a book. Being able to have several businesses where I have leaders, CEOs, visionaries running the business, maybe two or three businesses that are very successful that I probably spend, you know, two to three hours a week in each business, right? I'm only working with the leader just to, you know, look at dashboards and, and pour into the leader. With the people I love, hope those leaders, I love those leaders. Like they're just like, I feel like they're best friends, right? Um, you know, and, and doing it with members of my family, my fiance, you know, making sure that they are wrapped in where appropriate. And then being able to spend time on the boards that I'm on, right? Not feeling like I don't have enough time to really give the boards everything I need to give them. Maybe two boards. I'm on three now, but probably cut it down to two boards that I care about. And then being compensated appropriately. Like, you know, I love to net a million, at least a million dollars a year, right? Where I can, you know, continue to invest in other things and also put, you know, continue to build legacy for the generations to come. And then being able to travel. Oh my God. Like if, if I could travel like three months out of the year, right. Or two and a half months, like the summertime is just, I'm off. That's my time. And of course, as it says in the book, having every weekend off, definitely don't want to compromise that having the weekends off and then having the entire summer off. And then certain holidays, you know, like Christmas, Thanksgiving and stuff like that for family time. That to me is my ideal life because like you, that allows me to be comfortable in my life and allows me to, to be able to serve others. Um, I like to get the Marcus moments message out to at least a million people, right? Mm -hmm. Where a million people get a chance to hear me authentically and genuinely with a clear message about giving back to others and how important it is and how it can benefit you by giving to others. So I don't know how many people are going to listen to this podcast, but in terms of Marcus moments, <laughs> well, you, you gave the little snapshot, anything else when you add to that? So you can start ticking up the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, one of the things Mark that I focus on is I, I love having tough conversations with people. And right now, at least for the last 10 years, I've always wanted to have conversations about race and about those things that we see as differences. And I, I think I'm pretty good at even addressing the most difficult of that topic, right? When we talk about George Floyd or when we talk about, like, I, I, I you know, I have a person who's a racist in my life and I'm not giving up on him. <laughs> um, and we have some pretty deep conversations, right? Yeah. And I just hate ignorance. I, I, I just, I just want to, extinguish ignorance and racism. And the only way to do it is to educate and inform people who are willing to listen. And so um, I like to show people that when we really pull back, pull back the curtain and look at ourselves, it's funny and it's sad that we allow labels and we allow the things that matter the least to be the most disruptive and keeping us from having a real human experience with one another, right? Um, and you would think, you know, in a knowledge-based society and a more civilized world that we're in, 
that that would be that would be one of the things that would be a problem for us. Yet we become even more divisive. And so I love the storm. I, I want to be that person that people send in when it, I'm, a, I'm a former soldier as well. So, I, I, you know, I believe real leadership happens when we're in the worst situations like the pandemic is, is I, got, I got excited about the pandemic when it first hit in March of last year. And my board members say, oh, my God, Mark, you just like we thought you were a good leader before. But now it's because I, I got excited. Right. And I think about the mentor in my head who's always been a mentor to me is John F. Kennedy, not because he was a Democrat, not because of anything political, but how this leader was able during one of the most critical moments in American history during the, the Cuban Missile Crisis for him to have the wherewithal to be talking about going to the moon. <laughs> right. It's like, think about that. I was saying like, Mr. President, like, like the Russians are about to, you know, bomb Washington, D.C. Right. And you're sitting over here talking about sci-fi stuff. Right. Yeah. So I, I just I love visionaries like that. I love visionaries and leaders who can be in the throes of the storm and somehow rise above that no matter what's happening around them. And I like to think that as I'm thrown in storms, that I will respond in kind. And I have no doubt that you will, uh, no doubt at all. It reminds me about, there's a, I think it's a Greek philosopher, and I can't remember his name, Archelaus or something like that, uh, which essentially said that under pressure, people don't rise to the occasion. They, they sink to the lowest level, level of their training and, and preparation. And here you are reading 50 books a year. You're preparing, you're constantly preparing for that message of abundance. Even the, the John F. Kennedy kind of analogy, which struck me as you were talking about that is you could go to the world of, of scarcity of we're going to get bombed, or you could go to the world of abundance and let's go to space. And I'm not sure that that has a complete parallel, but that's what sparked up as, as you were talking about I, I just, this being well, abundance. I just think we all have a choice, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you, no matter what's going on, you think about Helen Keller, you think about, Jews who survived the Holocaust. You think about the slaves who, who survived slavery, like who had the audacity to come up with language and that the slave owners couldn't understand so they could communicate with each other. You talk about the fact that you had slaves who became mentors to other slaves. You talk about you had slaves who actually cared for the children of their oppressor, right? And so I would have to disagree with the Greek philosopher because I have seen time after time after time again in history where when things happen and it, and it required people to dig deep. And if it were not for that digging deep, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. Right. You know, I talk about being radically authentic and being genuine. And, and I'm also a relentless optimistic and I combine all of that stuff. Right. And when you feel it and you see it and you hear it, I'm hopeful that, you know, you don't see this as aspirational and idealistic that I can give you examples of like, because oftentimes many of us are not aware that we have common day folk who go through extraordinary means to create, to protect, to do those things that we take for granted today. Right. And so the same thing happens with business. And I just shared with a group last week. Um, I said, uh, I believe racism can be eliminated. There's about 5,000 colleges, about 20 to 40 million students in school at one time in college. So colleges can't do it. 
is about a third of Americans still go to church. But Martin Luther King said on Sunday, that's the most segregated place in America is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, right? So churches can't do it. But corporations, companies employ about 168 million people. People spend about a third of their life, at least eight hours, full-time workers at work. And everyone's focused on making sure that they, they get compensated so they can take care of those things they want to get taken care of. So to me, you know, companies, if we as leaders of companies decided that we wanted to end racism, we could do it. We have the numbers, we have the influence, and we have the knowledge. And so I am optimistic for those reasons and so many others that, you know, we can cure this thing called racism. I don't know if we can cure uh, ignorance because that seems to be a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real pandemic, I think, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we can cure racism. (laughs) That is amazing. So for our, our listener, what would be the one piece of advice that you would, would give them as, as we close our episode today and, What's the one thing that if you could tell, whisper in the ear of every entrepreneur, and maybe you just said it, what's the one piece of advice you'd give them? Stamina, like stamina. And part of that is, is just means that you can't give up. You, you have to continue to, it's like, you know, I'm a former professional basketball player. And so I could always tell the team that was going to win was going to be the team that's in the best shape that had prepared for the long run. And I think Gina Whitman talks about thinking about life in 10-year increments, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about life in 10-year increments, you start to prepare for the 10 years, not for the one year, right? And so I would say stamina and resilience because as an entrepreneur, Robert Kiyosaki said in his book, uh, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, he said that the average millionaire fails at about, I think it was 16 or 17 businesses, right? So imagine the first five that you fail at. Most people stop and they say, okay, I'm just going to get a job. First 10, right? Uh, I, I just don't think I'm made for that. I'm horrible at business, right? But once you hit that 16th, 17th one, and it's a success, right? Now you get rewarded. And so I, I think the one thing that I would tell people is like, just never give up. Read, surround yourself with other entrepreneurs and really, really, Focus on developing you through every failure, through every turn, through every storm, you know, let that empower you versus deter you. And I think that would be probably, probably not one word, but my message would be that to an entrepreneur or a budding entrepreneur. I love that. So true. So true. Well, Marcus, uh, thank you for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Where's the best place for our listener to learn more about you? How do they get in touch with you? Oh, that's a good question. So you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram on Facebook. It's just my name, Marcus Allen. Instagram is Marcus Allen underscore uh, BBC. I'm sorry, BBBS. Those are probably the two best ways to get me. If they wanted to email me directly though, it's probably the best way is mallen at independencebigsbigs.org independence i-n-d-e-p-e-n-d-e-n-c-e bigs b-i-g-s dot org awesome awesome well marcus thanks again and thanks for being on the eos life podcast mark thank you for having me this is this has been a pleasure absolutely
Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value from today's episode. Remember to ask yourself, how long will you wait until you demand the best for yourself? How long will you wait until you live your ideal life, the EOS life?